Thank you. Amazing how the words of our congregational songs and our special numbers all fit together this morning. Thank you. Boys and girls, look at this. Brother, sister here, David and Joy King. Daniel's going to stay here. He's going to let his wife go out with another man. His sister. <laughs> okay, don't forget his sister. Okay. Oh, take your Bibles, please, and turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I know I don't like to say this, but I think you would probably agree. We live in a troubled world. Anybody say amen? Not because you like it, but it's just true. Amen? We live in a troubled world. Never in my life of what? How old? 55 now, I guess? Okay. Never in my life of 75 years do I remember any time where there's been so much widespread, jotted down a few things, tension, strife, fear, criticism. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the president. Pressure, anger, turmoil, stress, mistrust, depression, strain, bitterness, conflict, hostility, and a whole variety of different wars fought in different ways about different things in different places. If there's one thing that seems to be sadly lacking today, and desperately needed, I think it's, it's just peace. Now, I, I, I think, when I think of the word peace, I think of, I have to think of my mom, because when you have a husband and eight children, things got a little rowdy sometimes. My brothers and sisters watching on Facebook were probably saying, amen, amen, they're probably shouting amen right now. And I remember sometimes my mom would say, look, I just need a little peace and quiet. Some of you probably, some of you looked at each other and smiled. Some of you with large families, you looked at each other and actually laughed. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, look, could I just have a little peace and quiet, okay? But when you think about the world today, I mean, global things, it seems like every time you turn on the news, it's like, oh, no, no, not more tension. Just shut it off. I told my wife yesterday, and Darla, I said, you know, I don't think I've seen the news now for about three days. And I felt so relaxed. So this afternoon, I said, this afternoon, I just grabbed my phone, and I just Googled latest news. After reading the first three headlines, I said, you know, I didn't miss a thing. Don't mess up my relaxation now. There's just so much going on and the world needs peace. That, that word peace is kind of a just, it's a nice word. I mean, it's just, there's something restful just about the word. Would you say it together? Peace. peace. Try it again. Peace. It kind of just sounds peaceful just to hear the word. Peace. There's a lot of words like that. We don't have to give a bunch of them this morning. Did you know the Bible says a lot about peace? As a matter of fact, the word peace is found in the Bible 429 times in 400 verses. There are 400 Bible verses that have the word peace in them. The word, of, the word itself is found 429 times. There's basically three kinds of peace in the Bible. First of all, there's what is called peace on earth. It's really peace between people or peace amongst people. The absence of any conflict, the, 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 the absence of strife or conflict between, say, individuals, groups, or sometimes even nations. Peace on earth. Peace between people and groups 
and countries. Then you have another piece in the Bible. It's called the peace of God. It's the peace that God himself is. And it's the peace that God wants to give all people, but especially he wants to give it to his people. A special kind of peace, the peace that God is, that he gives to his own people. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isaiah 26, verse 3, thou wilt keep him in what? You tell me. Perfect peace. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. That's the peace of God. So you have peace amongst people, peace on earth. Then you have the peace of God. Then there's a third kind of peace in the Bible. It is called peace, do you know? Anyone out loud? Peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 is our text. Look at it. And this is the peace that people need above the other two kinds of peace. You can have peace amongst people. You can have even peace of God in your heart, so to speak. But if you don't have, I mean, when we say tranquility, restfulness, if you don't have peace with God, you not only have a major problem on earth, you have a problem for all eternity. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is this kind of peace that we want to look at this morning. And we want to ask and answer three simple questions. Number one, what does peace with God mean? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have something, something really special. What is it? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does peace with God mean? And the best way to answer this question, I think, is to understand two important words. First of all, the word peace. We have peace with God. What does the word peace mean? In the Greek language, the language of the New Testament the word peace actually means to bind together, to bind together or to set at one again. To bind together, to set at one again. It always indicates that there's been a separation. There's been a break in relationship. So because you have a separation, because you have a break in relationship, there needs to be a binding together. There needs to be a set at one again. And basically, the meaning here is that before a person is saved, he really is separated from God. God and man separate. A holy God separated from sinful man. That's the, that's the relationship that every unsafe person has with Almighty God. He's separated from God. He's spiritually dead. He doesn't understand. He can't comprehend the things of God. He has no spirit of God living within him. He's in the wrong family. He's in the family of Satan, not the family of God. As I preached a few weeks ago, God is not his heavenly father. He's spiritually dead, separated from God. Ephesians 2.1, Paul writing to Christians says, And you hath he quickened, or you hath he made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sins. It all started in the Garden of Eden. 
Back in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, when God said to Adam and Eve, you may freely eat of all the trees of the garden, but there's one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You may not eat of that tree. And listen to what he said, for in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely, you tell me, die. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt Surely, not possibly, you will surely die. Question, did Adam and Eve eat of the fruit of that tree, yes or no? Did they die? Yes, they did. You say, well, wait a minute, they lived a whole lot of years afterwards and even had children. No, they continued to live physically, but in their heart, they died. They were spiritually separated from God until God had to provide a way of salvation for them. That's when it all started. Now, I know the verse speaks especially of physical death, but don't forget Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We are all born separate from God. We are all born as unclean things. David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We are all born sinners, unholy separated from God, spiritually dead, and really at war with God. Because there's really more than separation between God and an unsaved person. A war is going on. It's all about strife. It's all about conflict. It's all about enmity. It's all about war. And by the way, most unsaved people are not aware of this. There's somebody here in church today who is still unsaved. You're not a Christian. You are not aware of the fact that you are literally at war with God. That there's really strife, conflict, enmity in your soul toward God. You see, most unsaved people think it's probably okay. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't consider myself a Christian. I'm not really a, a, a religious person, perhaps they might say. I mean, I... But, but it's like I'm kind of neutral with God. You know, I don't have a problem with God. I'm sure not angry with God. Some people say, I don't deny there is a God. Some even deny him. They know they're at war with God. They ought to for sure. They say, I'm, just, I'm not really at war with God. I don't hate God. I mean, I'm not really against God. But, you know, it's just kind of a neutral thing. And I don't think God dislikes me. I don't think God's angry with me. I don't think God has anything against me. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, as bad as a lot of other people I know. And so it's just kind of, you know, it's just kind of okay. Me and God is just like, okay, so what's the big deal? They really don't understand that in their soul, God says they are not only separated from God, they are enemies of God. They're against God. And they think things are okay. Would you turn, please, to Romans chapter 8 for just a moment. Go over just a few chapters. Romans 8. Because an unsafe person is a person truly who has rejected God's son. He's not received Christ as his personal savior. So he has not yielded his eternal soul to Christ, nor has he ever given his life to Christ. He's separated from God. He's at war with God. 
and yet he's basically at war with God simply because he has rejected God's son. Basically, he says, God, I don't need you. I can do just fine without Jesus. I really don't care one way or the other. I don't really want him. Basically, I'm not in agreement with you. In fact, in reality then, I guess I'm against what you've said in the Bible. Now, they don't come out and say that. That's just the reality of their life. And what did Jesus say one day? He that is not with me is, can you finish it? Against me. He that is not with me is against me. Look at Romans 8. Would you notice, please, verses 4 through 8, or 4 through 7. For they that are after the flesh, these are unsaved people. They are just living after the flesh because that's all, that's all they know. They're, they're, they've never been saved. They don't have the spirit. They that are after the flesh, unsaved people, do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, speaking of every believer, they mind the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, fleshly minded, is death, unsaved. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Look at verse 7. Because the carnal mind is, next two words please, good and loud. Enmity. Enmity against. You know what that is? That speaks of hatred. That speaks of hostility. That speaks of war. And that's a fact. God says the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Would you go back to our text, please? Romans chapter 5. And I want to read verses 1 through 11. And I want you to notice in Romans 5, verses 1 through 11, what God calls unsafe people in this passage. Three words he uses to speak of unsafe people that indicate that there is not togetherness. There is separation. There is a difference of belief about certain truths. There is not a togetherness. In fact, there is hostility, strife, conflict, and war in three words. Watch this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have received, excuse me, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the, out loud please, ungodly, we're ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet, second word, sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10, for if when we were together, enemies, there's the war. Before we were saved. For if when we were enemies, we hated God. We were against God. We were enemies of God. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. 
ungodly, sinners, enemies. And most unsaved people have never heard a verse back in Psalms. I don't have this memorized, but I wrote it down. Psalm 7, verses 11 and 12. God is angry with the wicked every day is how it starts. People, God, God's a loving God. He doesn't, he doesn't get mad about anything. He, he's never angry. That's how the typical unsaved person thinks. God's a God of love. I've heard God is just always so loving, and I can't, under, I can't even comprehend God being, being, being upset about anything or angry with anybody. God's, the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. If he, the sinner, turn not, the wicked turn not, God will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and is made ready. Do you know John 3, 18? Speaking of Jesus Christ, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. He's condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Same chapter, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, but he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the what? The wrath of God abideth on him. Why? Because God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. And he's angry with the wicked every day. And one day God says there is condemnation coming. There is wrath coming because war, man doesn't know it, but he's been at war with God. So what does this mean, peace with God? Well, peace becomes very important, being bound together. But then look at the next word. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. You say, what's the big deal with with? With is an important word to help us understand what peace with God is. Because the word with literally means facing or toward. Get this, this is such a blessing. And as a Christian today, this should be a blessing to you. This message is not just for those who've never been saved. This message is for believers also from start to finish. Because therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace toward God. We have peace with God, we have, faith, we have peace facing God. We don't have to turn our head. We don't have to turn our face from God. Why? Because of guilt, because of shame, because of fear, because of trembling. We can look as a believer into the face of God. We can be facing God, looking toward God, and we have absolute quietness in our soul. We have joy. We have no feelings of guilt and shame and fear. We don't fear death. We don't fear judgment. We don't fear hell. Why? Because now we are brought together with God. The war is over. Hey, illustration. What happened to Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned? The Bible says, as usual, they are they, they heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And you tell me, please, what did Adam and Eve do regarding God after they sinned? You want to just say it out loud? What did they do? They hid themselves. What a, what a, I was going to say what a dumb thing to do. We would do that too. They hid themselves. Say, so where did they hide themselves? We're not told. They just hid themselves amongst the trees of the garden. It's like, why did they do that? Because they lost their relationship, their peace-facing God. Now they've got to turn around and run and hide themselves because they can't look in the face of God. Children understand that. I was looking over here when I said that. These girls probably never disobeyed you one time. Probably looking in the wrong direction, okay? <laughs> you know, 
What happens when a child disobeys mom or dad? Dad comes in the room. Mom comes in the room. I know what I did. I knew better than to run. That would just make it worse. But I'll tell you one thing. I would drop my head. I would kind of turn like that. It's like, okay, I know what's coming. And I got it too. What's the problem? Guilty. Shame. Fear. I knew I was getting a spanking. I knew that. Why? Because I was guilty as charged. Now listen to me now. Listen to me now. An unsafe person is at war with God in his soul. But God comes and says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. The war is over. We can face God. We can be looking toward God and we can say, thank you, I'm no longer lost. I'm no longer unsaved. I'm no longer at war with God. I've been saved. Peace with God. Number two today. Through what or whom does this peace of God, through what or whom is this peace of God made possible? In this case, it's whom. Through what or whom is this peace with God possible? Was the verse say, verse one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man in himself can do nothing, nothing in himself to stop this spiritual war. It's a war in his heart, it's a war in his life. Yet the Bible says his sins must be paid for. His sins must be judged. And there's, there has to be payment for sin according to a holy God in the Holy Bible, the Word of God. There must be a payment made for sin. And man can't pull that off. And Jesus Christ steps in. He volunteers to come to earth. He volunteers to be born of a virgin. He volunteers to live amongst men for about 33 years. He volunteers to go to Calvary's cross. And on the cross, he pays in full for our sins. On the cross, he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? As the Father turns his back upon his only pure son because he is bearing our sins in his body and God cannot look upon sin. 1 Peter 2.24, speaking of Jesus Christ, who his own self bare our sins, he bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with our stripes, or with his stripes rather, we are healed. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he, God, hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen, we should never, ever cease to be grateful and thankful for the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the one who brings us back to a right relationship with his Holy Father. The Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ brings us back to God himself. By the way, would you look at our text? Look at a couple of phrases in here. 
starting at verse 6. When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Remember verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, how? By the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved, how? By his life. Verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy in God. Really joying in God instead of being at war with God? Now rejoicing, joying because we have peace facing God? Not only so, but we also joy in God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not finished. By whom or through whom we have now received the atonement, the at one meant. It's another good way to atonement, at atonement, at one meant. Being brought together, reconciled, brought back. It's a wonderful passage of scripture. Keep your finger here because we're coming right back. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. The book we've been reading for the entire month of June. Colossians chapter 1. Verses now that we've read seven times. I wonder if we ever stopped and thought, whoa, what a powerful passage. Colossians 1. Look at verses 20. 21 and 22, and as I read them, think with me, please. Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Well, verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him Jesus Christ should all fullness dwell. And having made peace, how? through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and what, folks? Enemies. You that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind. Why? How? By wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. And all God's people ought to say, praise the Lord, amen. Ephesians 2, chapter 14, speaking of Christ, says, for he is our peace. He is our peace. Go back, if you would, to Romans 5 and look at the last verse of chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, look at the very last verse. Speaking of Jesus Christ, who was delivered for our offenses. That word means transgressions, iniquities, sins. He was delivered. Delivered up to die. For he, Jesus Christ, was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our what? Justification. We're going to talk about that word in just a moment. Jesus was delivered. He died for our sins. He was buried, but he was raised again for our justification. What does our text say this morning? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Justified by faith. 
He was, uh, he was delivered for our offenses. He's raised again for our justification. What a wonderful thought. And by the way, there was nobody else that could ever do it. <laughs> there is no other plan of salvation. For every unsaved person to be literally at war with God and one day will face God in judgment and be cast into the lake of fire forever, which he deserves because of his sins. And it's like, how can I be rescued? How can I be delivered? How can I be saved? Is there no way out? Do I stand condemned with, with no way to escape my condemnation? Jesus comes out on the scene and he says these words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I quote this verse so often. Peter preaching in, in Acts 4.12 says regarding Jesus Christ, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. First Timothy, get this, First Timothy 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. Who is this one mediator? The one go-between. The one who can take holy God and sinful man and reconcile us. Bring us back to a place of peace. Who is that one mediator? His name is Jesus Christ. For there is one God and one mediator between holy God and sinful man. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. So our final question today is, then how? How is this peace with God obtained? Or how is this peace with God received? Because that's what the world needs today. Every individual in this world who sees all this turmoil and, and unrest and this hatred and all this other stuff I mentioned at the beginning of the message, it's like, what do I need more than anything else? You need peace with God. I can't imagine living in today's world with everything going on and not being a Christian. Not being secure in Christ. Not knowing, wondering, how is this stuff all going to end up and what's going to happen just to be able to say, look, God knows the future. And I know one thing. Whatever's going to happen, when life is over, I will be in heaven forever because I'm saved. I have made peace with God. How do, you, how do you get that? Through whom? Jesus Christ. But how do you get it? What does the verse say? Therefore, being justified by faith. By faith. So we have two key words and we're done. Number one, what does justified mean? Justified is a legal term. It comes from the word which means innocent. Absolutely holy, just, here's a good word, righteous. Probably the, the best definition of this word justified, the word it comes from, it means righteous. Holy, perfect, pure, absolutely without flaw. And God says, therefore being justified, made holy, made flawless, made innocent, Therefore, being absolutely as righteous as Jesus Christ is. That's what the word justify means. You've heard this before. Justify. Just if I had finished it. Never sin. Can you imagine that? And Christians live so recklessly. They live so lethargic. 
They live so carelessly. They live so selfishly. They live so wicked so many times. When you think, wait a minute. Just if I had never sinned, the fact that God looks upon me as a Christian like I never did anything wrong, that is amazing. So the word justify is really a legal term. It's a legal term. It's an attorney word. It's a law term. It means literally to declare righteous. It's like a judge. Here's a case. Weighs all the evidence and says, not guilty. Declared righteous. Declared innocent. Now think of our verse. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the only word left to look at is the word believe, the faith. Therefore, being justified by faith. What does faith mean? Faith means believing. Faith means putting your trust in. Faith means depending upon. Faith means relying upon or resting in, or I like to think of it this way. Faith means putting your full confidence in. It's more than just knowing something, although faith is based on knowledge. You have to know some things to be saved, amen? Faith is not a blind leap in the dark. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where I am. I don't know what there is to believe. I don't know anything about anything, but okay, here we go. I'm just going to leap and trust Jesus. No, you don't trust Jesus by leaping off a cliff. You know some things. You've got to know you're a sinner. You've got to know Jesus is God in human flesh. You've got to know he's sinless life. He lived a sinless life and died upon the cross for your sins. You've got to know that the Bible says he rose again the third day and he ascended back to heaven. You've got to know that the only way to be saved, the only way to, the way to stop the war with God in your soul is to put your trust in him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. And there is verse after verse after verse after verse in the Bible where you find that Greek word pistuo, to put your faith in, to rely upon, to trust in, to rest in, to believe in, to put your confidence in. So you come to the place in your life where you say, I believe that everything in the Bible is true. God is holy and God is true and he's given me his word that tells me that I am a sinner, I'm lost, I'm separated from God, but the war can be over the moment by faith. I acknowledge my sin, and I put my trust in Jesus Christ, God's Son, and I ask him to forgive my sins, to give me everlasting life, and I trust him to do so as I ask. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in closing, I want you to see one final thing. 
It's all based on chapter 4. You say, oh, no, now he's going to preach all of chapter 4. Relax. Relax. I don't have time to do that. I can't preach all of chapter 4 in four minutes. Bill, thank you. I know you're going to tell me after the service who said four minutes. You can go on another half hour if you want to, and Dwight will say amen to that. And all Jeff says amen to might We might get outvoted. Anyway, okay. Now listen. Somebody else said amen. Thank you. Was that you, Jim? Praise the Lord. I'll pay you after the service, okay? You know, <laughs> hey, listen, listen. Chapter 4. Because what is the first word of, of chapter 5? What is it? Therefore. I mean, the verse, first, hey, listen. The very first verse of chapter 5 is all about chapter 4. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you say, Pastor, what's that all about? Well, look at the first few verses of chapter 4. Don't get nervous. Now, remember, trust me. Here we go. I didn't, I didn't say four minutes. Now, it might be five or six, but hang on. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath were up to glory, but not before God. Well, how was he justified? How was Abraham saved? Way back there in the book of Genesis. How in the world did Abraham ever get righteous? How did he ever get right with God? How did his spiritual ignorance and his war with God, how did it ever end? When was he declared righteous? Oh, verse 4. Well, what saith the scripture? What does the Bible say? Here it is, quoting Genesis 15, verse 6. Abraham believed God. Believed, same word as faith in chapter 5, verse 1, through faith, by faith. Abraham, how did Abraham get justified? Abraham believed God, and it, his belief, his faith, was counted or reckoned or imputed unto him for, next word please, righteousness. Verse 4, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, no works, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. Out loud, please, the rest of the verse. Together, his faith is counted for righteousness. There it is. That's how chapter 4 starts. Well, how do you get righteous? Because we're all sinners. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, we're all sinners. We're all condemned. We're all unrighteous. How do we get righteous? He said, well, let's look at Abraham. How did he get righteous? It simply says... He, he believed God. He believed the word of God. And his faith in God's word was imputed or counted for righteousness. That's, that's, that's how he got righteous. That's how he got justified. Now, the next few verses, we don't have time to read. Verses 9 through 12, it says, Abraham, I'll summarize it for you. Abraham was not justified by being circumcised. So verses 1 through 5, it's not about human works or merit. It's just believing God's word. And then the next part of the chapter, it wasn't because he got circumcised. As a matter of fact, this is what it says in here. Abraham was circumcised 17 years after God declared him righteous. That's what it says. When? When Ishmael was born. Abraham was already declared righteous long before he was ever circumcised. So don't trust your infant baptism to be saved. Don't trust your immersion to be saved. Don't, don't trust taking of the communion, the Lord's Supper, to be saved. Don't trust your church members. Listen, forget the ordinances. Forget all the religious things. All those rituals. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with ordinances and sacraments and rituals. He didn't get saved when he got, him, when he got circumcised. He was saved 17 years earlier. Or then you go to verses 13 through 16. Don't have time to read those either. What's that all about? You say, well, he got saved by keeping the law. 
really what law had been written when Abraham was declared righteous. Genesis, remember, 15, 6? Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. When was the law written regarding chronology, Abraham? 400 years after Abraham got declared righteous, God gave the Ten Commandments and his law. It has nothing to do with obeying the law. In fact, all the law does is show us we can't keep it, that we're sinners, we need a Savior. And when you get past verse 16, then God says, well, how in the world did Abraham get declared righteous? Whatever happened. And it's all a matter of personal faith. We've got to read it and we're done. Watch this. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against, this is Abraham now, who against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about what? About 100 years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through, what's the next word please? Unbelief, the absence of faith. But he was strong in faith giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform, next verse, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Abraham says, look, I'm too old to father a child. Sarah is too old to give birth to a child. That's the way it is. That's physical fact. But God hath spoken. And I'm going with God. God's made the promise. We're going to have a son. And our son, from our son, will come the Messiah. A blessing to the whole world. How it's going to happen, I don't know. But God said it, and I believe it. I will trust in God, not my body or Sarah's body. And again, verse 22, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. But don't you love this? Watch this now. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. Righteousness shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our sins or our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Could I ask you a question? Is every person in the world justified because Jesus paid it all? Yes or no? Say it again. My question, has every single person in the human race been justified because Jesus paid it all? Yes or no? No. Only those who choose to believe what God says about his son, who he is, what he's done, and how we must trust him. Bow your heads, please. Are you saved? Are you justified? Is the war?